Welcome to AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons. We're advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, and research. Hi, I'm Anna Cohen Rosenblum, a hip and knee surgeon at Louisiana State University, where our department mascot is an alligator getting a booster shot. Hi, I'm Mark Mildred. I'm in private practice in Eugene, Oregon at the Slocum Center for Orthopedics. Happy to be at AUKUS in person for the podcast. Hi, I'm Jenna Bernstein. I'm an academic surgeon at Yale University in Connecticut, and I am looking forward to my podcast debut. Coming to you from the AUKUS annual meeting, we're here talking to Dr. Antonia Chen and Dr. Dusty Shua in this episode. My name is Antonia Chen. I'm at Brigham and Women's Hospital, and I'm program chairs for this year's AUKUS meeting. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Do you mind starting with telling us just what you're the most excited about at the meeting this year? I'm excited about seeing everyone. I mean, it's been so long since we've seen one another. To actually see you guys in person is amazing, is the first thing. And to actually have a really good speaker roster. We have a really good variety of individuals that have not been on the podium before. And it's so really fun to see that group come together. And it's been good to um, bring everyone together. Awesome. In a similar vein, what's been the biggest struggle trying to plan the meeting around the time of COVID and with all the unknowns? So the COVID part was hard because we're bringing in some speakers and we're inviting some speakers, not just like our keynote speakers, but all the people within orthopedics. So they didn't know if they'd have institutional restrictions, whether their flights would get in. So we've had to shuffle around. People have stepped up to the plate and volunteered for talks that they weren't planning to talk. And it's been great to see the camaraderie come together, but it's been tough. Yeah. A lot of running around. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the one thing that's been most probably impactful in my first five years of practice, and especially in the context of AUKUS, is do as much as possible. And it's not just like getting involved in committees, which are great. Committees like YAG have been awesome and all the ones, but actually just talking to people. This is like the best time to like network with each other, talk to people. You know, if someone's standing by themselves, feel free to talk to them because you may never know who they are and what you can learn from them. So, so I have an awkward small talk conversation. I can say Dr. Chen said this was okay. She told me to go up to people randomly and just introduce Yeah, it's not stalkering at all. Dr. Chen told me to come say hi. <laughs> and they're like, who is this yeah. Dr. Chen character? are like, oh, do I know her? Yes. Like, no, 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 and you don't want to know her. <laughs> you want to hide and get far away from her as possible. <laughs> don't say that part. It's also really cool if you go right next to them and say hi. Yeah. Dr. Chen told me to come meet you. I have a message In for a Dr. Hushed Chen. Voice. Yes. yes. <laughs> I think the young kids are saying that. And so that's, uh, as a young um, arthroplasty group member, yeah, no, the cool kids are saying that, and I'm going to go with that. Yeah. I think the cool I, I kids are saying know. it, but the young kids like the social media, let's be honest. Oh, that's uh, well, and that's another talk we could have. But sure. yeah, yeah, do you think yeah. we should have a TikTok? Video? Should there be an AUKUS TikTok? That's Can I lead question. the AUKUS TikTok? Yes, that's only if you dance. No, oh, I will, will do definitely the da- I will do the dance. Oh, oh good. Good. We, can we can choreograph. All right, Done. All right. this okay. is made. So TikTok and Instagram. We yeah. have Once the program the gram, chair saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Right. I wanted to ask also any of the symposia coming up that you're sort of particularly excited about or particularly interested in this year. So it's fun because we have nine symposia and there's the typical ones that we do with like a primary knee one, a primary hip one, a conversion one, which is great. We try to spice it up a little bit this time. So we have one on caring for diverse patients, which is then, and we have a symposium, like a whole session on like race and gender equity, inequities throughout 
orthopedics or without, specifically obviously within orthoplasty. We also have like on ergonomics. We have like different areas that would be kind of interesting for us. Totally. And especially as you guys, as you're young, you want to be able to practice for like 60 years, right? Maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> if you can practice this year, you got to keep yourself, your you know, body, not just in shape, right? But it's ideas like try to do things smarter, not necessarily harder or faster and things like that. And that's just change, right? 10 years ago, an ergonomic symposium would just been laughed at. Sure. And now it's like, okay, we can actually do something with this. So hopefully it's good. Anything you wish that was at the meeting that's not that you hope to bring in the future? Ooh, yeah, future AUKUS. Well, future AUKUS programs. <laughs> you know, I think the things that we have in our courses, like our business courses, especially like that, like how to do this, for example, like social media, things like that will probably make it onto the podium as time goes on, right? Now it's about outcomes of like implants and things like that, which is obviously what we do as our bread and butter, but how to impact that into what we do. Because the whole point of this program, at least you know, from what we've seen over the years, especially this year, is like we want to make stuff that's impactful or choose stuff that's impactful that you're going to listen to and be like, I can take that home, or I can do something with this, or it's going to change how I practice. And that'll be true when we talk about things like, you know, social media or practice management, things like that. So those are in the business course now, which are great topics, but will make their way onto the podium over time. Very real issues that are coming, like that we need to know about. Yeah, and, and, and outcomes are in, totally important, but yeah, those other things are... So when you guys I, I are program chairs, yeah, <laughs> when yeah. you guys are program when chairs, Anna, when Anna is the program chair, you guys chair, will be able to put uh, those on the podium. So that's the key factor. <laughs> and, and how, how about? How to manage your TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're going to TikTok dance at the podium yeah. 2025. I, I have skills. <laughs> there shall be flossing. <laughs> that's right. Flossing will be so old then. Come yeah, on. that's not cool anymore. There's other dances now. That's how you now. show your yeah. hip outcomes. Is, uh, oh, the ability oh, to floss. Oh, make an acronym. Like F-L-O-S-S. Got to stand for something. And it's like the floss score. A prom score. Yeah. Yeah. Done. The history being made right here. I have a question about research. So where do you see the future of PJI research going? Or how are we going to cure this as a problem for people? Cure is the way. That's what I want to see. If it goes away, that's the best thing. So like we've done a lot in diagnosis. We've done a lot in, you know, how to, you know, treat during the or prevent and things like that. But the treatment is the one we're not the greatest at. So we can bust the biofilm, either prevent it from happening, which is what they're working with, like phages and things like that, and then treat them. So phages is just the tip of the iceberg, right? But using all these like biologic methods to basically kill it, we're using biologics to the rest of orthopedics, right? We're using PR we use stem cells. Why can't we use that in the treatment of infection to get rid of it? So and I think that's what's next. At least I hope so. Yeah. Let's say I don't know what phages are. <laughs> Asking for uh, a friend. Anna, Anna doesn't know what phages are. Can you explain to her uh, in a so loud there's voice? there's thing called biology <laughs> back in the day. They're basically structures that have very little genetic. You can actually impart whatever genetic sure. material you want to. And it can insert the genetic material into bacteria, for example. So if you want to kill a bacteria from the inside, you put it into its replicating mechanism, replicates a ton of stuff that actually causes lysis, and it basically self-destructs. So you can kill them from the inside. But it has so to be bacteria-specific, right? So that's the yeah, difference. Yeah, I was going to say. So, and it's bacteria, is not like... But in the future, that's why phages are not the only answer, right? You're going to be against fungus. You're going to be against viruses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, could you go against a coronavirus and you have something like bust it from the inside out? This is the, the future of medicine. So is this say. like an injection that you can do for something for, for someone with a PJI? You just inject it and then you just kind of watch the bacteria self-destruct from the inside? Or that this is fascinating? Two ways. One way you can do it intravenously, but this okay. still has to get to the joint itself. Sure. But the bacteria are concentrated there. So that's why they bring them or attracts them to it. Sure. And the second one would be actually intraarticularly, where you apply it to the actual wound itself. So actually wow. when it comes to it, I don't think we're going to ever get fully rid of surgery. But if we could do an IND and poly exchange totally. for, for every patient yeah. and not yeah. have to like rip everything yeah. out to a one stage exchange a two or two stage, stage. Yeah. huge difference. The ETO industry is going to be fuming about yeah. this. Yeah. 
we'll find different ways to do ETOs. <laughs> trust me. Don't worry. We're still going to be finding surgeries to do and yeah, redo. They're not going away. But, hope, but it, if it could be less ripping out implants for infection. Yeah, absolutely. As long as I'm doing point. surgery, there will be reasons oh, to redo surgery. those surgeries. I'm not worried about find those reasons surgery. to redo. We'll find the indications. What are the chances that this is going to cause something like that Will Smith movie where he is the last one standing? And I am legend. I am legend. That's what I'm thinking. A hundred percent. Awesome. I'm on board. Zombie apocalypse. Yes. I'm and in. you can TikTok that too. <laughs> we can TikTok through the zombie apocalypse. You could. I think I think that's a good way to place it. Any final thoughts for our listeners today, Dr. Chen? I like to say that I love being in this position love being here with you guys because i love to just elevate the next generation of women bring you guys forward you guys are on top of things way more than i was when i was in your position so it's really cool to watch this happen and you guys will keep taking over so i want you to take over anything i've done and of course get above and beyond and do it way better than i did so thank you guys big shoes to fill so (laughs) thank you thanks dr chad coming to you from the AUKUS annual meeting we're here talking to dr dusty shewitt in this episode I'm okay. Dusty Schuett. I work at the uh, Naval Medical Center out in San Diego. I'm fellowship trained in uh, adult hip and knee reconstruction. Great. Thanks so much for being with us. So, Dusty, we know you have a particular interest in social media. Why does AUKUS not have a TikTok yet? That's a phenomenal question. <laughs> uh, I personally don't have a TikTok. I had a TikTok and then deleted it after I spent three hours one night just going down rabbit holes. So I don't know. I think Ox should have a TikTok. I've suggested a great intro TikTok video. It'd be just like characterization of people that show up to ask questions. You know, like the 17 questions with no time to answer guy, the seven questions, <laughs> answer three questions with statements and then ask rhetorical questions. And then the person that just wants to talk but didn't get invited. Um, I think this would be a great trick. Are you willing to take that on? Dusty. Commitment. I will learn TikTok tonight and do it. Let's do it. We can start with a bingo in the meantime. I don't know. What's a bingo? A bi- you know, like a bingo game. Oh my God. Am I secretly 80? I, you well, you, could, you referred to the social media as the social media. So, I, yes. No, like a bingo, like for every time you see the, this is more of like a statement than a, a question card. guy. Or, oh, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and then you mark good. it off. I have yeah. a full yeah. card already. You have a, it's already full, so the game yeah. is done. So what are you looking forward to most about the annual meeting this year? I think the biggest thing is just getting to see people. I mean, it's been two years since we had an annual meeting in person. Just getting to see people, hear talks in person. I did the virtual one last year, and I don't know if it bought anybody else, but I have a very difficult time paying attention to anything virtual because I have the ability to do other things when I'm doing virtual meetings, and that leads me to doing other things. And I'm not good at multitasking, no matter how much I try to convince myself I am. So I think that's a big thing, and then just hearing the talks and get to like see what the latest research is is awesome could i tell you dr barnes who planned that meeting is literally right behind you right now i'm just just pointing that <laughs> just pointing that <laughs> if he starts pulling on anything it looks like a firearm let me know <laughs> all right so favorite paper so far or favorite symposia so far or one that you're super excited about it's like making me pick the favorite of my children I don't have one of those either. Um, <laughs> like, I think, honestly, uh, Dr. Cohen Rosenblum's symposium this morning, just like diversity and equity in healthcare was phenomenal because as a Caucasian male sure. in arthroplasty, wearing a blue suit, staying about five foot 11 inches tall, I'm quite a minority at this meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Matching everyone else at the hotel right. bar. Like I've long said that, you know, if, if you as a five foot 11 white male were gonna ever commit a crime and get away with it, this is the time because the lineup would be impossible <laughs> to distinguish. But just like realizing those, that background and knowing like how limited knowledge I have of you know, healthcare coming from different perspectives, things like that. Like 
just opening my eyes and like trying to realize how I can do a better job taking care of these patients. You know, I know I've got an uphill battle getting them to, you know, trust me as much as they would somebody that looks like them and just trying to figure out the best way to make them comfortable so they can, you know, get the health care that they need. So all joking aside, you do have a strong Twitter presence. How did that evolve in your practice in your life and, and how do you think it's impacted your practice? So I'm still in the military, so the only people I can take care of are active duty military retirees and their dependents. So it kind of limits it to that standpoint. That said, I get probably 15 to 20 messages on Twitter a month asking, hey, can you do my knee replacement? Can you do my spine surgery? There's a lot of things they probably don't want me doing, like their spine surgery. But um, so it's very interesting just seeing the reach out from that. Um, it kind of evolved from starting writing articles for Gomer blog and then like, you should make a Twitter thing. I was like, all right, sure and started that and it just kind of grew from there. It's been a lot of fun for me and like honestly majority of my learning of like new articles and stuff like it comes from Twitter because with Journal of Arthroplasty coming out twice a month with 20, 30 articles sometimes, you know, Yellow Journal twice a month, JBJS, like I can't keep up with just reading the abstracts of all the new stuff. So like my thought is kind of if I don't see it on Twitter, it may not be that relevant and a lot of the big impact stuff gets there. But then coming to the meeting kind of augments that. Yeah, I would totally agree. I was resistant, not resistant, but I wasn't totally into getting on Twitter. It wouldn't really be my thing to share feelings online, not realizing (laughs) what ortho Twitter was. And I would say that I've really enjoyed it. I also feel like I learn a lot from other people, from cases, from what articles get posted. So Yeah, I started just like posting some cases and things like that. And then like I've started just direct messaging people like, hey, I've got this coming up or this is what's going on. What do you think? And it's amazing that people just like reach out to you, like people that you wouldn't even think of like approaching in person. But you know, online, it feels a little bit you know, safer, or easier to handle rejection. <laughs> just like high school. <laughs> <laughs> just like high school prom. <laughs> It is nice to get, I mean, because you get instant access to everyone from all over the country and you don't just get how your small section of geography is doing it. So it's, by the way, what's your Twitter handle so people can follow you? Nanderthal, N-A-A-N-D-E-R-T-H-A-A-L is my main one. And then also just DJ Shewitt is my personal one. How did you come up with Nanderthal? There were beers involved. Very good. Uh, one is something stereotypical <laughs> orthopedic that I was out having Indian food with a buddy while I was work, or stationed in Japan. And we were like, I was talking about how much I love non bread. And then we kind of evolved from there. And that's where it came from. The, the rest the, is history. The, <laughs> the backup was going to be arthroplasty. Sounds like arthroplasty if you say it fast enough. But wait, yeah. wait, wait. Go back. Yeah, yeah. Arthur, I didn't, Oh, like, is arthroplasty here? Yes, like that. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, See, it, I, it plays better written down. I'm picturing both of those being extremely funny after about four beers. Yeah. Yeah. Turned out. There used to be some sort of like a topical arthur. It was like an arthritis. It was the name yeah. of a cream. It was like oh. a topical thing probably didn't work or didn't get advertising. Do you see social media such as Twitter or TikTok or whatnot, do you see it fundamentally changing how surgeons interact with each other, say five, 10 years from now? I kind of think it already has. Yeah. I've been on three publications just from people in conversations that started on Twitter. I think it just interacting with people, getting to know people. Like there is no way I would be sitting here at this table talking to you guys. You guys would have no clue who the heck I was without Twitter and just interacting with different people. I mean, like I posted a case and like, you know, Dr. Parvizi commented on an infection case that I had, like unprovoked. like, it just, the access to people and being able to see things. And also really has kind of fundamentally changed how I think a lot of us get our research and our new data too. Sure. Any advice you would give to surgeons looking to start up on social media? Or the social medias. The social medias, as as Anna calls them. Yes, the social medias. I 
think as creepy as it sounds, start as a voyeur. Like, start out watching, see what other people do, figure out what works for them. Lurk now, post later. Yeah. Yes, exactly. and kind of figure that part out, and then gradually kind of wade into it. Be true to yourself. Don't try and come up with, like, a fake personality. There are some people that come out like, oh, I love this, and then all of a sudden, like, eventually it kind of wears off, and you're like, oh, that's not what they're like at all. Like, it's very easy to be yourself because you don't have to fake anything. Uh, my dad always said, don't lie, because it's you tell the truth, it's easier to remember what you said which kind of works there, like be yourself and then just be very cautious about following whatever your policies are for your hospital, your organization, whatever you're at. So a number of people have gotten in trouble for that. You know, some places like Wake Forest has discovered that Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts favorably affect your institution's uh, U.S. News and World Report scores, which I had no idea about. So they actually put in a plan to encourage all their people to get social media accounts. So I think just like look what your plan is and talk to your institution. Obviously, if they have a no-go policy, then you don't really have a choice unless you go anonymous or something cool like that. And then I think just be cautious about sharing cases. Protect patient information at all costs. Um, for arthroplasty, it doesn't matter laterality, doesn't matter age, doesn't matter gender for 99% of my cases. So, like, when I post a case online, pretty good odds that it's the opposite gender what that patient was. The images have been flipped. The story is completely Don't reveal changed. that now. <laughs> but, but, it's, yeah, but it's a way of, like, yeah. just sharing those things and just be like, hey, you know, that way it's completely eliminated from that person, right? Like, it may have actually been a 47-year-old male, but it's a 52-year-old female, you know, who fell at rowing club or something like that instead of injured during CrossFit or whatever else. Like, change things that don't matter to kind of cloud the picture is perfectly fine, and, you know, the big takeaway is it's the same patient, same case, or same problem, typically. How do you feel about x-rays? On social media? Yeah. As long as they're weight-bearing, I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, but let's say you have, like, a complex... So the whole thing sure. with, like, clouding patient details is basically making it so that you can't know who the patient was. Sure. Now, if they have it, maybe a complex reconstruction, it's almost like having a tattoo on skin or something. It is to a degree, but I think it's little bit different than a tattoo because a tattoo you can see walking around you know i can't watch somebody walk and say oh they've got this specific rotating platform hinge but i like you can't really tell as much what they have going on now sure if there's very obvious things like you know if they've got like a knife sticking out of their leg <laughs> and there's a stabbing in your area and that like it's you know obvious stuff like that but i think by and large yeah, x-rays are just kind of as vague as you can about them is definitely helpful. I would reference what you said before, though, to check your hospital policy, yes. because at some places, even a de-identified x-ray is considered PHI. That's not here. Absolutely. That's not everywhere, but just double check that. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for AUKUS Amplified. Visit aahks.org to learn more about how members of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate advocate and investigate in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.